Welcome to Chan's The Man Apologetics. I'm your host, Chan Heron, where I discuss doctrine, apologetics, behavior, the Christian worldview, and sometimes just tell stories. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another episode of Chance the Man Apologetics. And again, with me, my guest, Dr. Randall Lord. So, Randy, thank you for keep coming back into the uh, lines, Dan, here. I'm a blessing for punishment. <laughs> All right. So, for those listeners that want to see the previous podcast where Randy and I talk about a lot of subjects where we agree, please feel free to go back and do that. Randy, let's talk about the moral argument. But before we dive into that, tell me your, do you think that, that morals are relative, meaning they change based on the person or the culture or society? Or do you think there are certain actions that we know of that are really right and really wrong, no matter what someone's opinion of them are? They're kind of a mixture of both, actually, I believe. I think that, um, yes, there are some that I think intuitively we all know to be wrong, like one you like to bring up from time to time, murdering babies or raping babies or something like that. Yeah, it was was torturing torturing babies for fun. Torturing them for for fun. uh, Yeah, well, okay, murder, torture, Whatever it is, yes, uh, I think intuitively, pretty pretty much everybody agrees that's that that's not moral. Okay. And, but then there are some that we can't agree on, and that they're somewhat based on our culture and our upbringing, and and some and somewhat uh, due to our reflections on uh, our thoughts about certain things, we can we can make decisions that throughout life and based on our experiences and our thoughts that certain things may not, certain things we may have done in the past may not be right. Okay. So we can change our mind about those things. Yeah. They're they're, they're a little bit fluid. They're they're not fixed. Is there, is there an example that you're thinking of that um, you can give me uh, with that latter category? Sure. For, for example, the abortion issue. You, you know, when you were younger, you may have thought they were, that was wrong under any circumstances. And as you go throughout life, you may start thinking of exceptions. Well, no, maybe it's not. Maybe it is okay in this instance, or, or vice versa. You may have always been a, a pro-choice uh, person, and later in life, you may decide that that may not be the best thing after all. So, yeah, that that, that would be an example of one that could change. Okay, so the there's there's a number of versions of the moral argument, and I know you've heard a few. So I'm just going to give right. a basic uh, a basic one that maybe our listeners are or are not familiar with. So a person who's a theist that argues uh, for God's existence based on the grounding of morality might use something like this: 
they would say that uh, all laws imply that there is a lawgiver and there's a, a moral law which therefore concludes that there must be a moral lawgiver. Now, in my opinion, Randy, the controversial premise is the second one, uh, which is there is a moral law. Now, I do need to distinguish, because you may bring this up, the as to be careful not to equivocate the word law. Um, there's, I know like a scientific law and a moral law, I'm trying not to use as the same because a scientific law is a descriptive law. It describes how the universe works. Like if we're talking about the law of gravity, it's more of a descriptive term. Would you agree with that? Right. right. And yes, uh, uh, the laws of physics and that type of thing that we find in science, those are descriptions of nature. We didn't or no as far as we know, nobody wrote that down. <laughs> right. And, and then we found it, you know. Yes. Uh, as far as, far, and they're called laws because we haven't found any exceptions to them. We can't, for example, with the law of gravity. Um, we've never found an exception where that law is being violated. That's correct. Or, or that, or that, uh, that phenomena is being violated. It's, it, so that we call those laws. Correct. But in the case... Whereas, that- Whereas the other type of laws you're talking about, uh, the proscriptive laws, those are the type that are written by like Congress and you know the legislature and things like that. You can go only go this fast during a, during a at this time during a school zone and and you know those things. those those are proscriptive. Correct. And so when I'm using the term moral law here, I'm not using it. I don't mean it in the sense like the laws of physics where they're descriptive. Or I'm not using them in the sense like you were saying with Congress as proscriptive. I'm using it in the sense that it's prescriptive in the sense how a person ought to behave. And so just like you, like you mentioned, you can't violate the law of physics because it's a, it's uh, or the law of gravity. It's descriptive. But in, in this case, with a moral law, a person can violate it, and so yeah, a, a, or a proscriptive law can be violated. You you can speed through the school zone if you choose to. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Engage in risky behavior. <laughs> that is yeah. that is now, true. Wait, could, you, could you go back and, and restate your or state again your your uh, first premise of, of that? I want to make sure I understood what you said. Okay, so. The first premise would be all laws have a lawgiver. They have a lawgiver. Okay. Yes. There is a moral law, therefore there must be a moral law giver. And so the what the person who's using this argument would argue that since we do have an intuitive uh an intuitive sense, uh, l- let me back up. Just like we have a physical sense to gather information uh, about the world around us, such as our, our five senses, I would also argue that there's a, there's a moral sense that we, we kind of know, we just, just through uh, introspection and it, it's, a, it's a, um, a basic principle. I called it, I called it intuition. Intuition, yeah. And I, I like that term. I like that term, too. Right. And so 
that's kind of how the, the moral argument goes, uh, the version that I'm given. And so now that... And what was the, what was the conclusion again to your... Uh, the conclusion uh, was... The, the conclusion was, therefore, there must be a moral law giver. Now, that's as far... Okay, what, was, that was, what was premise two then? I thought that was premise two. Okay, so pr- was- all right, I'll, I'll, I'll state it a little bit more succinctly. Premise, <laughs> premise one, all laws have a lawgiver. Premise uh-huh. two, there is a moral law. Three, oh, okay. uh, therefore, there must be a moral lawgiver. And so I just wanted to see what your what your now obviously this doesn't demonstrate that the God of the Bible exists. Uh, I think we're we're I don't want to make we can agree on that <laughs> right yeah that's where I'm trying to get there but I I want to be sound in my reasoning here yeah well no your reasoning seems to be a fine if. If premise one is true, then all those other things seem to follow from that. I mean, but I really think you're—I would—I would call that a circular reason because you're or you're begging the questions. What is the problem? I would have with that. Um, but the problem is, of course, are all laws? Do all laws have a law giver? And, and we don't mean the proscriptive. We mean the or. Uh, the descriptive, we mean the proscriptive, or in your way you've said it, the uh, prescriptive is what I pre- said. Prescriptive, prescriptive, right. Uh, I don't know how you would demonstrate that that's true. That, that, that premise one, that yeah, all I mean, law. I, I, right, right. I, I would agree that if it's true, then all that other stuff would follow, okay. could follow. But I'm not sure I can agree that people, your first premise is actually correct. Well, I would say if if I was to try to counter that, I would probably argue that it is more plausibly true than false. Um, and just because... Um, I, I don't know if I can agree with that. Okay. <laughs> because if you just say it's more plausible, that you're really saying it's more likely or there's a, a higher probability of it being true rather than... False. And I don't know that we know we can say anything about the probability of it at all. Okay, so yeah, um, I, I I I follow you perfectly on that. So what I'm what I'm trying to get at is a source for the moral codes that we have. There there seems to be a moral code that all of us have access to. And not only do we have access to them, but we can make rational judgments on the actions that would cl- be classified as what we would call evil or, or, or good. We have, to, we have to have some kind of standard by which we call those things. There has to be some kind of measuring rod. And... Well, that's that's I what we're trying to get. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I understand. But um, I think when you when you talk, start talking about evil versus good, you're talking about a goal. If if I want to do, if I want to reach a goal, 
have something something I wish to accomplish, anything that helps me do that, I would say is good. Anything that prevents me or blocks me, uh, I would call that evil. But the question is, well, is the is the thing that I'm trying to do at the end end goal is, you know, how how do we rate that? Is that uh, necessarily good or evil? Um, you know, for example, the uh, the Nazis wanted to wipe out the Jews. Okay. Okay. We would most people today would think that's evil, but un, to the Nazis, they thought that was a good thing to do. That they were ridding the human race of a de- defective uh, subhuman is what they would have, uh, I think, would have referred to them as. Right. So, it, it, what was good or evil depended on. What, what you were trying to accomplish. So this, it sounds, it sounds like what you're saying there and you and I've had this conversation multiple times. Um, right. So for my audience, uh, we're Randy and I are not hearing anything new from each other where it's just been a while since we've had this conversation. Uh, so it sounds like what I hear you saying is that depending on the societal norms, it depends on what your source of code, moral codes are. Am I understanding? Yeah. Well, I'd say it could be an influence on what you, you just, you think is moral or not moral. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so did, if when you bring up the Nazi thing, which I think is a great example because it's one that the majority of people can agree on, the th- I guess the, we always pick on them. Yeah, but I guess I guess the issue that I'm having trouble with from an atheist standpoint is if there wasn't some kind of law beyond our culture or, or appeal to some kind of code that transcends societies and transcends cultures then why would america get involved why did the rest of the world get involved instead of saying well you know germany can do what they want to in germany because that's their cultural norms but we're not going to treat jews like that over here well Actually, we, I don't think we got involved in World War II because of the way the Jews were being treated. It was, it was a concern, but that really wasn't the deciding factor that got us involved. In fact, there's some evidence that you know a lot of the Jews were exiting Germany and trying to immigrate to the United States as, as fast as they could, and we were actually blocking them, our government was, from coming here. We didn't want those kind of people here. Um, Interesting. And, and, and in that sense, we, from our perspective today, we could say, well, that was not a good thing that we were doing. You know, that was that was a rather evil thing to be blocking them, knowing that they would, could be killed. Um, so there is a historical perspective. It's easy to look back and, and cast, uh, you know, past characters in, uh, in the light of our current moral standards. But the standards then were a little different. So what I'm saying is our, our morals are, do have some wiggle room to them. Or what we think is moral, it certainly does have some wiggle room. It's, it's not fixed in stone. 
Okay, so what the theist would say to the grounding issue is that morals are not grounded in people's opinions or societies. They're they're grounded in the unchanging moral nature of of God, who is completely good. There's no defects. It's almost it's almost like the illustration of uh, the only way you would know if a person is a good bowler or a bad bowler is how close they measured up to 300 because that's perfect. So that's the the score. Is the, yeah, but that's, that's the standard. That's the goal is, is the perfect score of 300, sure. Correct. And so my the question that I think some of my audience would want to know is how does an, a how, – how do you, from an atheist perspective, how would you ground uh, moral behavior? That's a difficult question. Um, because typically what we all do, and not just with, with uh, this issue, uh, but with a lot of other ones, is we – are actually operating on our intuitions and then we give a post hoc rationalization for the choice that we made. <laughs> so, um, okay. So expound, explain to our listeners what, what you mean by the post hoc rationalization. Okay, that means, okay. For example, let's say that you emotionally deep down, you don't even, you're, in fact, you're not even aware, of it, but you really want a new truck that you saw down at the lot the other day. Okay. You go down to that, you go down to that lot. You, you you keep looking at that truck. Finally, the salesman comes out and he asks you if you want it. Man, you and you do <laughs> emotionally. Okay. Before you get home, you've got to think of some reasons to tell your wife why you need that truck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And before long, you're going to be believing why you need it. <laughs> And forget that you was ever just really just a womp. <laughs> so that that would be a post hoc rationalization. Well, I can already tell you the answer. Post after the fact that you're 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 trying to come up with some reasoning uh, after to the fact. Your wife, why all the money is going to the new truck rather than uh, on the garden or whatever it is, or the add-on to the house that she wants. <laughs> well, I can already tell you that. Uh, the new truck would not happen because she would say no. <laughs> <laughs> she knows you too well. Yeah, she does. Okay, so um, going back to the grounding, you say 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 again that you you think we. I, I think our, you you typically make your decisions based on your intuition, and then you do a post hoc rationalization to justify why you made that decision. Or why you think you made that decision? So it was really not a decision at all. It was just a feeling that you had. So if we, if I understand you correctly, if we're applying that to morals, then um, if I uh, give money to charity, um, then following, I'm just trying to make sure I understand your your position here then the rationalization that I'm doing for that would be what? Well, there, are, there can be a lot of reasons why you would give money to charity. One is that your religion or your background, whatever it is, tells you that you should do that. 
and tells you that you should feel good about it. And so when you do it, you might feel good that you helped somebody else and that someday you might be in the situation where you need that help and you would, you would hope that somebody would help you. So uh, you're playing it forward. Um, but, but if the only reason is that it makes you feel better, are you really being charitable? Are you, are, are you actually being selfish? You want, you want that good feeling. You see what I'm saying? I, I do. That, but that you might not be doing it for the right reasons. You might be doing it because, you know. But couldn't you also... Press a girl for whatever <laughs> the reasoning is. It, it, it may not be as uh, benign as you think. But couldn't you also argue the, the opposite? You could say... Well, you know, I could give that money uh, to charity because they need it. But my kid wanted a new bike for Christmas, so I'm not going to help them. I'm going to help. I'm going to help my child, and I guess the reasoning right. could be the same, right? It really could be. Of course, life is all about balance. You know, you're probably going to want to give something to your kid, and you probably would like to give something to charity too. Okay. So you, you, you know you. Give some to both. Okay. So the grounding issue is more of uh, from from the atheist perspective is is a more of a, and that's where I'm having trouble trying to put a sentence on it. Well, and also I'd like to point out when you say from the atheist perspective, um, I, I want to point out I don't speak for all atheists. Gotcha. So gotcha. Okay. Thank <laughs> you for that clarification. Your audience to understand that I don't speak for everybody else. That's true. It's just me. Okay. So, from your perspective, um, mm -hmm. um, how how would you? I guess how would you summarize the grounding issue? I'd probably have to say it would have to be good not just for myself, but for others around me too. I, I, it, it, if you want, you could say that, um, for example, an, an animal could sacrifice itself to save another animal. You know, how, how is that good for the animal that, that did the sacrificing? Well, we have, we have an, an innate or an intuition that we should do that to protect our own children. Okay. That you would give your life for your own children, right? Yep. That 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 that, um, that intuition exists amongst not just humans, but a lot of other animals too. And so, and some animals we sacrifice them or do risky behavior to protect uh, an animal of another species. It, it can it can transfer. I guess my question to that would be, well, wouldn't, because sacrifice seems to be a, a behavior that's consistent with the, the theistic uh, worldview and not the naturalistic. Actually, I, well, no, I, I think it's actually a, a naturalistic uh, explanation. Um, a mother bear, for example, will defend her cubs to the death. Okay. She'll sacrifice herself to save them. And that, and, and by doing that, her genes go on through her children, 
her offspring, uh, you know, to survive. And I, I think that's a, um, that, that is a naturalistic explanation of why we would have uh, that type of, see that type of behavior in animals. So are you grounding the, the moral code maybe through biological evolution? Yes, that's how that's how I'm viewing it at the moment. Yes. Okay. Great. So this is one this is one question that, um, and I could see that that's plausible. Um, I think there are some things that are instinctive and ingrained in us, um, and I think the moral code might be that. Here's the problem that I think I have with the the biological issue. If 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 the ultimate goal there would be survival, then a person could could I, I think evolution cares more about survival than it does truth, because someone could survive by doing evil things to gain uh, an advantage. So, for example, let's say you have a male who cannot find a life partner and wants to pass on his genes and takes advantage of a, a, a woman and rapes her with the intent of passing on her genes. Now, by passing on his genes, then the goal, if the goal is survival, then how could we say that that, that act of rape would be morally repulsive? Well, those type of things do happen in the wild. You know, um, I believe it's the sharks. Sharks do that type of thing. Um, there, there's no consent on the on the part of a female at all. It's, it's simply is she available, and then they take advantage of it. Um, I, I'm not sure that you could say it's moral or immoral. Um, I think the only time we really talk about whether or not it's moral or not moral is if it's harmful to the other party. And you would agree that a man forcing himself on a woman in that way would be harmful to the other party? Yes, I do. Okay. So in your perspective, uh, a man doing that would be morally wrong. Right. Even though he's passing on his genes, he, he can't override the fact that it's harmful to the other party. Thanks so much for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you on another episode of Chan's The Man Apologetics.